0: Oh, thank you so much, guys. Yes. Um, <clears throat> thankfully, it's far enough away. Um, JP did check, is this going to involve tears? But uh, I think at the minute, it's far enough away that um, the, the tears will come later. So we're all, we're all dry today. <laughs> oh, it's so good to, to be with you this morning. I don't normally get to um, come along to the, the nine o'clock meeting, so it's an extra treat. Um, and we are continuing in our Hebrew series. Um, we're going to be um, going into chapter four today and um, J.P. hinted at it slightly um, last week. Um, this is a chapter that's got a lot about rest. And I don't know about you, I wonder what images would come to mind if I say, think of somewhere to rest. I wonder if you're a beach, palm tree kind of person. Yeah, we've got, a few, got one there. Um, I if like, like me, you imagine maybe a nice spa day, massage, yeah. Um, Maybe it's just uh, some time where someone's taken the children away and I can sit with a cup of tea in my living room. That is your place to rest. Or maybe it's just a a family night in. Um, Maybe it's a a nice holiday by a pool. Um, Well, this, this passage has a lot to talk to us about rest. But interestingly, the tone of it as we will come to read the passage is a bit different to what we're used to when we hear about rest. It's not the kind of enticing, come on a holiday, come amidst the golden sands and glittering turquoise seas. It's not that kind of enticing tone. Um, It's not the tone that keeps interrupting me on YouTube. Um, You know, we're getting our house sort of done up a bit, so you're in the middle of an instructional video on how to properly change a door handle, and in the middle of it comes, take a moment to relax, (laughs) breathe in. And you're like, I'm trying to do a door handle here. (laughs) I'd like to get to the end of this before you tell me to relax and breathe in and out. Um, So it's not that kind of calming, take a time out um, to relax kind of tone. Um, It's also not um, a tone that we find really helpfully elsewhere in the Bible. Instructional and and pastoral and helpful in terms of how we organize our rest. How we um, make sure we're taking Sabbath time. How we're enjoying the rest that we've got. It's actually full of urgency, full of warning. It's, um, yeah, it kind of makes you sit up. There's, a, the, there's a, a refrain of, make sure you don't miss this. There's a rest we can enter into that mustn't be missed. So we're going to read um, the passage, and we're going to um, explore what this rest is, why we should want it, and how we don't miss it. Um, So we're going to turn to chapter 4. Just as you're doing that, it will come up on the screen as well behind us as we read it, if you've not got a Bible with you. Um, I was reassured to uh, come across a a part where John Piper said that he thought this was one of um, the few most complicated verses he'd come across in the Bible, which immediately reassured me. So if, as we read through this, if you're not really familiar with Hebrews and you haven't spent a lot of time enjoying the wonderful truths that are in here, if you read along with this and go, huh? feels like we're jumping around from passage to passage you're quoting this and you're quoting that and I'm still not sure where we're getting to that's fine you are with the majority um, and as we dig into it together um, I hope you all find that there is such great truth such great um, enjoyment and such um, promise of rest for us today so chapter four starting at verse one therefore while the promise of entering his rest still stands and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty of what some of these um, things mean for us um, today, um, I want to just take a little step backwards. I want us to remember um, who this is written for. This preach that was written down for a church that were under great persecution, they were really struggling, they were under great fire. And they've been exhorted time and time again to keep going, to keep believing, to press on. They're also a church, we realise, full of people who were Jews or very familiar with the Jewish stories. So while sometimes for us we can have to remember that sounds familiar, but I'm not sure, the moment they quote Psalm. Um, 95, saying, today if you hear his voice, they're all right there. Yeah, got it. Remember that one? Celebrating Jesus on the Sabbath, that psalm always comes up. They would have heard the name checks of David and immediately been there in the kingdom. Ah, yes, David, yeah, the great king. They'd have heard the name checks of Joshua and in a moment, they'd have been there. They'd have seen it on that hill perhaps leading up to the promised land, the great massive company of Israelites who'd been led out from Egypt, but great mighty works of God having brought them out of slavery through the desert, provided for manna from heaven, water from a rock, taken on a great journey to a promised land, a promised resting place. They were right there. And they would have, felt that horrendous gut lurch, as they mention in the passage, the name of Joshua, of that moment where stood on the edge of the promised land, the people of God, ready to enter this resting place that God had prepared for them, sent out some spies. And how Joshua and Caleb came back saying, let's go in, the land's good. The resting place God has got for us is good let's go for it and the others came back saying have you seen the people in there have you seen the great hairy brutes the massive people that make us look like grasshoppers just factoring God out of the equation there's no way we can go in there and the listeners of this would have just had that oh feeling as they remember the fact that the people of God didn't enter their resting place They didn't enter the promised land. Instead, they wandered around for 40 years, finding no rest. Until that generation who hadn't believed God passed away, with only Joshua and Caleb left, and the next generation finally came up again to the brink of the promised land. And this time, Joshua led them in. This time, they entered. It's just worth remembering that, because that's one of the stories that is rumbling along in the background of this passage. And it's also, for us, one of the stories that rumbles along in the background, our heritage, as people who are called to follow God, and people who are called, actually, to our own resting place, our promised land. So, just diving back into the passage, straight away we see that he refers to this rest as his rest God's rest it's worth remembering that he is the one who created rest he is the one who decided that rest would be foundational we're told that on the seventh day after creating the world God decided to rest not through fatigue his zebras were a little bit hard work have a little rest, not through um, having a sense of earning it, just he chose that there would be rest right from the beginning, foundational in creation and still foundational for us. It's part of how we're made. It's part of our DNA. Something in us is built for rest. Rest is God's. rest being god's also means that rest is authentically his that actually rest belongs to him patented by him and there are a lot of cheaper counterfeits around i um, saw a funny picture of um on facebook of someone who had bought a brand new pair of trainers um, he had um, then taken his lovely nice brand new pair of trainers off and um, the, the half um, label of Adidas was um, inside the shoe. The rest was on his, um, on his heel, nicely imprinted onto his heel. So you kind of look at that and you go, hmm, I think that might have been a cheap imitation, not the real deal. Well, it's the same thing with rest. God created it, and actually his rest, true authentic rest, is to be with God, to enjoy his presence. If you take the heart out of rest, if you take God's presence out of it, then you're just left with cheap imitations. Now I'm sure, like me, you enjoy many of the, the, the restful benefits that flow from God's wonderful creation. Anyone up for walks in the, the woods? Find that restful? Yeah, so maybe again, those beaches, relaxing. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing cheap about that. But they are the, the downflow of a good and gracious God. But at its heart, rest must be in the presence of God. That is what truly refreshes us. That is what truly restores us, because he is the one who made us. And only that can give us full rest. Only that can truly refresh us. See, we see that with the story of the Promised Land. God hadn't sent them on a journey to go and find a place to rest. God had led them on a journey, and he had invited them to enter his rest, a place where he would dwell in their midst, and he would give them rest from all of their enemies. His presence is integral to rest, because rest is God's. We might wonder why sometimes our rest Doesn't fully satisfy. Or I could be left wanting more. Or it can be fitful. Rest at its best is in God's presence. It's like the cool water on a heat filled, parched day. We need God's presence, we need Him to rest. The other amazing thing about it being God's is it is marked by the hallmark of God's gifts in that it is a free gift. You may have heard it said that God's grace must be, cannot be achieved but must be received. It's the same of his rest. You cannot earn his rest. Now, I'm a nightmare for this because I kind of feel like in my day-to-day that I need to earn a rest I have to get lots and lots of stuff done and I cram so many things in there's hardly any time left over for rest at the end. But um, if, if I'm to have that you know, half an hour sit down with a cup of tea in a dime bar, then I need to have jolly well painted that door and, and taken this washing down and all those other things. God's rest isn't like that. It is a free gift of his grace. It must be received. We cannot achieve it. We cannot work for it. We cannot earn it. It's not like our holiday days that need to be accrued. We don't earn it by good faithful service. It is received. But it must be received. It's a free invitation. But it must be accepted. I wonder if you know whether you have accepted that invitation. Whether you know for certain that you've received it. So, rest is God's. But rest is also there for our future. So you might say, it's all right for Joshua and Caleb. Um, They got their rest. They got to enter the promised land. That whole generation got in. But is that story just for them? Is it just a historical, that's nice, God gave them rest. That should give us hope somehow. Or is there more for us? Well, the passage goes through, and it it kind of um, speaks to that very clearly in verses 7 and 8. I'll just read it again. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying, although David so long afterwards in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. See, the writer to Hebrews is reminding them that actually that psalm that he quotes, where he says, don't harden your hearts, and then later on the psalm, if you look back to Psalm 91, 95, sorry, he says that there is a rest still to be had. It reminds us that psalm was written at a time when they were already in the promised land. They were already here. They'd got in. They were in the promised land. So surely they were in his resting place. At that time, they'd, he'd provided a rest from all their enemies. They were living in the promised land. And suddenly, why? Well, who's writing this psalm about not missing out on another rest that's because this promised land was a pointer a pointer to a better rest a pointer to another rest still to come and the writer of hebrews reminds, reminds them that there is still a rest to come if joshua had given them rest the psalmist wouldn't have been talking about this there is more rest for us there is an eternal rest for us See, there's gonna be a day when our journey will come to an end where we will find ourselves on the brink of a promised land. Not just a physical land, but a place where we will know God's presence and we will be able to enter in and see him face to face. Where we will see him put to flight every enemy not just for a short time in history, but for good. Put to death, death itself. Get rid of sin and mess and disease and death and pain and persecution and isolation and hurt. And we will live with him, the one who created rest. We will rest with him, we will work with him, we will play with him. We will enjoy him face to face, together. That hope is there for us, for our future. We are invited into that eternal rest with him. That is our invitation. The problem is, though, it can be It can be quite hard to keep that in our minds. Sometimes we just need to lift our heads again and remember that that is there on the horizon. Sometimes the day-to-day of our lives can be so all-consuming, so difficult, so painful, that thinking ahead can just be too much. And that's why it's so important that we come together on mornings like this morning to lift our heads, to remind ourselves of the truth to celebrate who he is. I remember as we stand, as they stood on the brink of that promised land, those giants, those huge warrior-like people who lived in the land, they were real things to fear. There are real things in our day-to-day that tower above us. Real things, whether it's illness, whether it's the death of a loved one, whether it's some pain that you're going through, whether it's just fatigue with life. There are real reasons to fear. But if we lift our head, and if we look to him, then we can be among Caleb and Joshua, and among those who chose to enter the land. We can be those who believe Jesus who believe God will put all of those enemies to flight. Because as we fix our eyes on him, he takes care of them. We, um, we often joke sometimes that, about cheesy fridge magnets. Um, one um, thing I didn't realize about getting married is how many fridge magnets I would acquire, thanks for that. <laughs> it's a, an unexpected blessing. <laughs> um, there are some times, though, that we, we joke about the Christian ones. You know, it's a little little phrase just taken out of the Bible, boom. And we all know that we can't live by that. We need to enjoy hearing from his word and, and hearing it preached week by week and enjoying it in our own times. So I don't, I don't want us to miss that, but there are times when sometimes we need one verse to cling onto dearly. When part of lifting our head to see God, to see that end resting place that we're going to, we need to cling on to a verse. It might be saving it on our phone screensaver so every time we check it, we're reminded of that truth. It might be like I used to do at university, writing on a scrappy bit of paper and covering it in sellotape so it didn't all get ripped up in my pocket. But every time you go in there, you're like, oh, what's this again? Oh, yes. Yeah, I am loved. He has a place for me. He's leading me there. It might be that you need a friend to regularly text you it. It might be that you're going to be able to do something really annoying if you've got a shared calendar, like I have, and save it as a daily reminder that pops up. (laughs) Always fun. Um, But sometimes we need that to help us lift our heads, to help us keep looking at him. We mustn't despise that. But there's another sense of urgency in this passage. It says, don't miss out. We should strive to enter, fear that we might not enter. There's an urgency there because there may be some people listening who, who think they're going there. It's a free gift we are invited in. We don't have to pay for it, we don't have to earn it. It's an invitation, but it's an invitation that must be accepted. It's an invitation that has to be accepted. It's not automatic. That final resting place that we go to does not happen automatically. The question on the brink of the promised land for those Israelites was, am I going to believe that God can get me in in spite of these giants? Or am I going to factor God out of the equation? Go off and find some resting place of my own. For you this morning, if you... Don't say that you know Jesus if you're not sure if you've got a relationship with him. The question might be, am I going to believe what these guys are saying, that Jesus has made a way for me to enter his resting place? That on the cross he has dealt with my mess, all the stuff that would stop me coming to God? Do I believe him? Do I take him at his word for that? Do I dare to ask him to take me to his resting place? Or do I factor him out, look at myself and go, oh, well, I'm either good enough already, or actually, I'm never going to be good enough, and go off to find rest of our own amongst those counterfeit places of rest? Well, like the writer of the Hebrews, I would urge you, if you are not sure if you've got a place in that resting place, then his invitation marked with your name today is open to you. And if you've got questions about that, we can chat at the end of the meeting. If you kind of think, I don't think I'm ready to make a decision today, but I do want to find out a little bit more, then I would love to see you on Alpha. Myself, my husband are going to be there. We're going to be enjoying the food. You need to help me not eat at all, so please come along. still time to sign up. It's just a really relaxed way of exploring your place in his great story. So God owns rest, created rest, made us for rest. He's got a rest finally for us, an eternal resting place somewhere we can look to, look forward to, lift our heads, and keep going towards encouraging each other on the way. I don't know about you though, I sometimes need a bit of in the moment help. Um, I um, have fond memories of doing my Duke of Edinburgh. Anyone else fond memories of doing their Duke of Edinburgh? Either they, people haven't done it or they're not fond. That's fine. We'll move on. <laughs> um, we went up to for our um, Duke of Edinburgh expedition um, up in Scotland and through form it rained and, rained and rained and rained and rained and rained and there kind of some trying to stay positive, group of teenagers (laughs) trudging through the rain. It was relentless, it was cold, it was tiring. And the good news was, on the map, we could see where we were going, and slowly, slowly, very slowly, we were getting back towards the campsite, which wasn't necessarily going to be warm, but it was going to have baked beans, which weren't necessarily going to be fully heated, but they were going to be nutritious. So we we were looking forward to some kind of end point to fix our eyes on. But I've got to say, the moment that I put my hand into my soggy cagoule pocket and felt something that had fallen inside the lining was one that was absolutely glorious. I kind of ferreted down into the hole, scooped it out back through the hole, and had uncovered a many years-out-of-date bar of Kendall mint cake. glory of course all of my friends are like "Ooh, that's so out of date and i was like well you won't want any will you at which point they all changed their mind and we all gobbled up the mint cake and gave us a zhuzh for the next um bit ahead so, sometimes we just desperately need some sustenance for the moment and you might think that sounds awesome that sounds amazing that i have a resting place to go towards but right now today i'm really struggling Right now, I could do with some rest. Right now, I could do with an encounter of God's presence. Jesus said when he was on earth, he'd not come to me, all who are weary, and I'll show you the path of final rest. He said, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. The amazing news about our invitation into the final resting place is that it's not all saved for there. That rest that's in his presence is promised to us now as a down payment of what we're to look forward to, a down payment of his spirit for us to enjoy now, for us to encounter now. There is rest for you today, just as we've been celebrating, just as we've been singing. There is rest today. But just like that final rest, There is a danger that we could come up to the brink. If you imagine yourself stood on the brink of that promised land, there is rest right in front of you. Right in this moment, there is a rest for you to step into. As you go into work tomorrow, as you go about your family life, every moment has a brink for you to stand on where you can choose to step into his rest to enjoy his rest in the here and in the now. But just as those first Israelites stood on the brink and saw the giants and tended towards fear, there is something that can steal our experience of rest in that moment. Fears that can make us back away. Maybe a fear that maybe God won't meet with me this time. Maybe it's only... At church or when I'm with certain people that he meets with me. Maybe my week hasn't been good enough, diligent enough, kind enough for him to meet with me. Things that can make us back off when his rest is in reality, truly freely available, paid for by Jesus and ready for us to jump into. But we can fear, we can back off. Maybe it's not specifically fears that you have about God, but more things that are just so towering in your life, casting a shadow over your life and your relationship with God. They just seem to fill your view and it's just so hard to imagine the goodness of God when this seems so dark. Those redundancies at work, that difficult conversation you had this week, casting a shadow, making us shrink back, But we have that same choice in that moment to fix our eyes on Him and to say, I believe you have given me rest and to enter into His presence. To be totally frank with you, I found myself in this very situation last night. I've had one of those weeks where it's a classic half-term thing. You get to a half-term, you get a cold, and um, my brain's just not been working (laughs) And no matter how many hours I've tried to sort of put into formulating some thoughts and getting my head around the the wonderful words in Hebrews and chatting it through. And I've been sending requests to my brain to function all week and it's not been coming back with much, much response. And last night, I just got a bit to the end of myself. I thought, I've got to to stand up in front of you lot, you hairy lot, (laughs) the uh, scary faces we love the word of God. I said, I want to be able to to bring something from the word of God to to bless people. I felt a sense of fear rise up in me. I was like, hang on a minute. You've seen the penny drop already, haven't you? It's like, what am I doing? Fearing. Fearing when God's rest is here in a moment for me to step into. And there are two things that help me so much that we can do today as, as well one of them is to just lift our eyes and worship. As we worship him, we come into his presence. As we worship him, we force our eyes away from the giants that loom so large, and we fix our eyes on him. We magnify him. He gets bigger, not because he was smaller, But we look through like a telescope looking out to the stars. We see the one who is big. And as we worship, we magnify him. And he grows bigger in our estimation. And the reality of how strong and mighty he is and how able to crush every enemy and and keep every enemy at bay becomes so real. I just love reading the Psalms because David is so good at this. I love how he talked in Psalm 23 of how how God guides him and leads him and then sets a table for him in the midst of his enemies. He was someone who knew how to worship and magnify God and fill his vision and go into his rest even when his enemies were surrounding him. And the other thing that so practically can help us when we need to enter his rest is to have others come alongside us JP mentioned this last week and it just keeps on coming up and he was that exhortation, that encouragement. I just needed Simon to pray for me. I needed someone to come alongside me, to come and stand on the brink of the promised land, as it were, on the brink of entering his rest and say, let's step in it together. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying someone else can make the decision for you. We have to choose But there is such strength in us being the body of Christ. There's such strength as we come alongside one another and we walk in together into the promises he has for us, into the rest that he has for us. So we're going to do that now. The band are going to come and we're going to worship him for a time. And just as... JP kind of mildly interrupted the, the worship time just to say, let's, let's really make sure we're singing this. For some people, to really worship now is going to be hard because sometimes it is easier just to read the words, keep the, the face on. But to really worship, to really force ourselves to lift our eyes and see Jesus is hard. It is so what we need, as we fill our eyes again with him, as we let his light dissipate the shadows that those giants around us are causing. So we're going to do that. I only just stand as I, as I finish. We're going to worship him. and then for anyone who feels that they still need someone else to come alongside them might be one or two might be many there'll be a chance for you to have someone come alongside you just as I needed last night just as we all need if we're honest day by day to come and stand with us as we step into the presence of God he's here let's worship him